Alivo to the right hand, puts her down, he's gonna jump him hard to the ice. Brady Alivo just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. 10-1-9-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-
for where I'm at in my life. When I, when I listen to that story, I touch on this uh, here and there, but um, you know, today just, you know, on the ice with some kids and after going down to speak to a group of kids and, you know, even after telling kids my story, they're coming up and, and asking for autographs. Of course, it, they're not worth anything, but um, you know, not even three years ago, I was, uh, I was in jail and uh, that certainly was the furthest thing from my mind was ever being on the ice again, let alone around kids. Um, and then, and then having the opportunity to kind of have an impact in a positive way. So I share that in, in hopes to, to show people, cause there's a lot of people that watch or listen to this show who, um, who are struggling and, and are in ruts and, and feel hopeless. Uh, I get the messages and I talk to, to, to quite a few people that watch and listen to this show. And, um, you know, I just, I reiterate this message because I'll tell you, it, uh, been a huge turnaround and if i can do it i really believe anybody else can do it i owe a huge thank you though uh to everybody who continues to listen and watch this show because this is where it all started and uh, i just i will never ever forget it this is uh, the beginning of how i got my life back and uh yeah i'm just one grateful human so uh, we'll hear from the og sponsor team issue they've been with us uh since virtually day one i know i say it all the time but I will continue to say it, uh, but after uh, we hear from Regan Bartel, uh, we'll be back with Abbotsford's own David Vandergullick. Hi there, it's Regan Bartel, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leopold's biggest fan. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Teamissue.ca. Promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. Make sure you go check them out. Go follow Team Issued on social media. Uh, go cop some gear. Christmas is around the corner. Uh, shout out Jesse Paradise, former teammate with the Kelowna Rockets. He's the uh, owner and founder of Team Issued and was my second ever guest. And that's never lost in my mind because a lot of people uh, probably would have said no. And uh, he didn't even, I'm going to lower down a little bit, uh, didn't even question it. He, um, yeah, just super graceful and came on and, uh, that's sort of where it all got started. But let's move forward. I'll talk more at the end of the show. Uh, really excited to get David in here. Uh, we never really crossed paths in our hockey journey. We went uh, two different directions. He's a little bit older than I am. But nonetheless, he went the uh, NCAA route and had just had a tremendous career there. And we're going to get to hear all about it. Uh, he's now a fireman uh, with the Abbotsford Fire Department. Shout out Stuart Smith. I know he's watching right now. Uh, really made this happen. He's been advocating for this to happen i think to both of us without uh either one of us willingly kind of like knowing that he was doing it uh, he's like you gotta get dave i'm like yeah anytime anytime right but uh now is the time so without further ado uh from abbotsford british columbia david vandergullick what is going on thanks for having me i'm excited david. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for being here. And uh, I think we touched on it before you came on. It it kind of feels like uh, for me, anyways, that you know this was going to happen eventually. And I'm so glad that it finally has. I love the hat, puck support. Thanks for repping it. Love to see it. Yeah, I got one. Uh, my kid wears it all the time too, so I had to get another one. Uh, yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, it's a pretty awesome thing you do, man. I'm I'm super excited to be here and talk and um 
Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And, and that, thank you for that. And, you know, it's, it's been a unique kind of experience to be able to be in this position and, and have people come on and, and, and I've had a lot of uh, incredible women come on, but I think really for the messaging uh, we get, we get men on here like professional hockey players. And we've been able to have some just incredible conversations that I've, you know, never really had with teammates uh, during my career because the idea of a hockey player was like, for me anyways, uh, was the warrior mentality, kind of suck it up, get back out there. Uh, and it, to some degree, I think you kind of have to do that to be successful, which there's that, it's that gray area. But um, tell us a little bit about your journey. You grew up in Abbotsford, if I'm correct, and, and uh, fell in love with the game of hockey like so many of us did. Yeah, I mean, I, I think my story's probably uh, like a million others, right? Like it's, uh, you grow up, you're five years old. I remember, uh, I don't remember, but uh, my dad told me, you know, I knew all the NHL logos and the teams before I knew the alphabet. Like I just was uh, obsessed with, uh, with the NHL and uh, obsessed with hockey, with road hockey on the West Coast. You don't really get the ice time that, you know, the Ontario boys get, but um every chance I had, I was outside playing road hockey. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, back then when I played minor hockey was the way to go. Nowadays, I feel like there's a hundred more, op you know, there's so many more options now with, uh, private leagues and, um, high school leagues and, you know, juniors and all these other options. So it was just minor hockey right through to, I played a year in junior B with, the. Uh, the Abbotsford pilots when um, I didn't quite make junior a that year. And I was kind of in between where I didn't really want to play midget. So I went to, uh, went to the pilots and uh, it was a pretty cool experience. Cause like junior B's you're playing with 20 year olds and you're only this 15 year old guy, 16 year old guy who, you know, you're playing with these 20 year olds who are all tough. And even though they're junior B, their skills, not maybe, you know, there, but they're, they're all tough guys. And, I was just always scared to get, you know, get into a fight and get beat up because I was this little scrawny little 15, 16 year old. Um, and, you know, and then playing junior A with the Chiefs in Chilliwack, uh, had an opportunity to play with some amazing guys like uh, Jeff Tambellini and Gabe Goche, who had great careers. Um, There's a ton of guys on those teams uh, for those two years. Um, you know, I can't list them all, but, um, it was a, it was a really good program. I was super excited, I'm super grateful for being, for having that opportunity to be there for those two years. And we went to the Royal Bank cup, uh, in, our, in my second year, uh, it was a pretty cool experience, um, to go that far in the playoffs. That was kind of my first big playoff run, you know, so learned a lot in that one. And, yeah. And you know, let me hop in for a sec. Cause yeah. like, that obviously would have taught you a lot. We're going to get into kind of the, you know, you were able to win a couple of championships that we can touch on later on, which I, I think is incredible. Cause I never, never even got a sniff. I think I won a three on three tournament at eight ranks one time and that was it. And other than that, it was minor hockey tournaments. Um, so I always love to, to like hear about that experience, but um, a couple of things, road hockey. So, so huge, right? Like I live in Ontario now I'm in Muskoka, but I grew up in Poco and yeah. And there was no outdoor rinks. I can count on two, like twice in my life. There was some old frog pond that froze over for like 24 hours and we got on it and then went the next day and we fell through it. Like there was, <laughs> there was, there was no ice to be had. So road hockey is so crucial. Tell me about your road hockey games as a kid. Um, and, oh, and yeah. what about yeah, I, mean, I was lucky. I had pretty good street of kids that, you know, some neighbor kids that liked hockey and, uh, 
you know, my dad would come out and play with us. We'd have pretty good games on the road. And uh, it, it's weird. It's like a lost art, to be honest. I, I, know. Where I live now, you know, I don't see kids playing road hockey. I try and get my boys out there and it's, it's really like pulling teeth. I'll go, I'll go out there by myself sometimes. Cause I'm just like, feel like the neighborhood needs some nets on the road. So I go throw them on the road and just shoot around. Um, but it, it's, you know, you learn skills, right? Like you learn lots of skills on the, in road hockey that translate, um, you know, positional things in games, just, you know, reaction times. I mean, obviously you're not getting the, it's not the same with uh, without skates, but um, yeah. Well, listen, like, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, without without like we had we played rollerblades and rollerblades only, without the group of guys that I had to play like street hockey with, like we'd go to the tennis courts, we play street hockey everywhere. I'm not kidding. We had a group of like ten to twelve of us that not a single guy played any lower than tier two junior a right and we had zach hamill in that group who was a seventh overall pick ned lakasovic who was a, a, a draft pick four or five guys that played in the western league and without that i like i'm not sure i ever even make it out of junior b i was i was like you i, I played in the pidge as well uh, for ridge meadows uh, at 16 yeah. and and then um did you ever uh though i, I kind of want to hop in did you ever uh, think to go to the western league back then or were you thinking school uh the whole way because you went to bu which is arguably one of the best schools you could possibly go to yeah i mean my decision was really it came down to uh a smaller player back you know in 2000 and in 99 when not when i was playing major juniors was still a big boy big tall boy league um in my, you know, kind of my opinion, it was just, they, they weren't super in love with me. No teams really, I didn't, I wasn't drafted. Um, so it kind of was a natural, you know, kind of push towards uh, the go the college route. And, so so um, Dave, when, that, when you're thinking that is when you put yourself back there, um, how are you feeling? Like, do you still have the goal of being uh, an NHL hockey player? Where, where's your headspace at? If you're going, this is the major juniors, but you know, they're not really in love with me. I wasn't drafted. Um, what was, what was your headspace? Like, I mean, obviously, yeah. Uh, playing for the Chilliwack Chiefs, great organization, BC hockey league, maybe not as much so now, but definitely back then great hockey league, right? Like yeah. probably the best, the next best anywhere in Canada under major junior for sure. But like, where were you? Like, were you still thinking like, Hey, I got a shot. Were you just trying to get school? Like, how did you kind of get through that? Yeah. I, I want to, I, I never, I was never in doubt that I wasn't going to make the NHL. I was pretty confident. Like I was just like, I'm making it. There's no, like nothing can keep me back. Right. And um, so whatever path I chose, and, and this is what I say to kids nowadays is like, it doesn't matter what path you take you know, if you work and you want it, you can make it. It doesn't matter what path. So I kind of believed in that. And, and I kind of, I wasn't really super when I didn't get drafted in the WHL, I didn't care about that stuff. I wasn't really focused too much on, on what league at that time. I was just focused on my own, you know, development. And I just wanted to play a lot of ice time. So that's one benefit of not, of, you know, being, they say that whole thing that whatever that saying is about being the big, fish in the small pond you get more ice time get more development so going the major junior route and not playing being a fourth line guy might you know limit your uh development so there's something to be said about that um to junior 
Agreed. One, like 100%, 100%. And uh, that's why I kind of want to wanted to ask you is like how you, because uh, not everybody f- would feel that way, right? To be like, oh, I don't care about that. I certainly wasn't that way. I was a smaller guy too and, and had some things. I never got drafted at the Western League. Um, but being like seeing all, all your friends get drafted and, and kind of having this, what this early success, like kind of seem like that, you know what I mean? And it almost got for me, it was like, oh, well, like, is there even a point? Like, am I going to make it? So it's yeah. interesting that you were able to, to have the others. I where it's like, I don't care. Like I'm, I'm in it for the long game. Like that's a really important for like a, a really important message there because it is a long game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at guys, everyone's paths different, but um, I think the guys who had to struggle earlier on and, and fight through that adversity, um, you know, there's always going to be those guys that have, you know, straight path to the NHL because they're so talented, but for most of us, it's, uh, you know, it's recognizing where you need to work on because you have hit adversity at a younger age, um, you know, whether it's in juniors or in college or in, in major junior. So, yeah, I, I mean, the other thing about like not leaving to the major junior was I wasn't too thrilled on going to uh, leave at, you know, 16, 17, 18 and move to somewhere super far away from home. Um, so there was, there was also that kind of stuff, you know, you're, you know, 16, 17, and all of a sudden you're going to go play, you know, miles, like, you know, 10 hours away or wherever you, I, I did go down to Swift, uh, to, uh, tri cities for a camp, uh, when I was 15, just to feel it out, see what it's all about. But, um, yeah, there was that, that's why Chilliwack was so great. Cause it was, you know, 30 minutes from home. My parents could still watch. Did you, did you live at home then? Like, was that, no, I didn't. I, I billeted in Chilliwack just okay. out of practice schedule. And, you know, the, 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 it's a busy schedule to always have to drive an extra half hour home after your games and, and come back on the bus ride and then drive home. It just didn't logistically make sense. So I was fortunate. I had a great billet family. Uh, it, was, it was an awesome, awesome experience. So wouldn't have changed anything. Nice. It must have been nice, though, too, to have your parents so close, right? Like that's a yeah. big step moving. That's something that's. Uh, often I think lost in for, you know, obviously that's, uh, you still billeted, there's still a way that's still a, a transition period yes, and a change, but yeah. that can be really hard for, for a lot of uh, hockey players. And I find that, you know, I, that was hard for me and being able to talk about that kind of stuff was not, was not easy for me. And I think from the conversations I've had with other guys, it, uh, a lot of us were feeling that same way. So, um, yeah, like, did you have a fairly good experience? It was just like, I'm all business, parents are close to home. Yeah, I mean, I was close enough that I, I can go home for Sundays after, our, you know, Saturday night after our game, I'd go home uh, for Sunday. I'd, you know, I actually had a, my wife, we met in grade 11. So when I was playing with the Chiefs, okay. my wife was in, in our hometown in Abbotsford. So I'd go uh, see her on Sundays and just being super close allowed us to, you know, develop a relationship and keep that going. So um, but yeah, I mean, the, you, you end up it, when you're, when you're playing major juniors and you're a 16 year old kid and you it, like a lot of kids are shy and you go to this team and you're living with this strange billet family and you get thrown into this and you know, like you get thrown into this grown up world of girls and, um, all types of uh, you know, adult situations. And you're this 16 year old guy. I, I wasn't uh, sheltered from it playing in Chilliwack by any means, because I'd go out with the guys after games and whatnot, and you're drinking and you, you know, there's alcohol and, and, um, 
you're 16, 17 years old. I mean, it's, uh, or, you know, but at least you have, um, you have that safety net cause you are close enough to home where you, you know, have family and friends and you just felt more supported, but I couldn't imagine some of these guys who, uh, you know, go away just when you're 16, all of a sudden you're just moving across the country, going playing junior hockey. It's scary. Yeah, it, it can be. And I think there's situations that arise for, for certain people. Like I, I had had experience with alcohol before I, I went to Swift Current or even before I went to Junior B, right? Like I had already yeah. experience with alcohol, but some guys don't have that experience, right? Um, they don't have the sexual experience uh, with the girls. They've never been, kind of even been in that position, uh, alcohol. And now you're hanging out with older guys, 19, 20 year olds, their legal age. Um, and now oftentimes guys feel pressured because they want to fit in and, and, and all of that. And then it just starts to kind of feel like normal, like, Hey, this is okay. But 16, 17, like that's pretty young. Like I, I remember, like, I remember feeling old being like, I got the world by the balls. I got this all figured out, but you know, I just, I, I look back at it. And I'm like, wow, like I wouldn't want my son doing that stuff like you know so yeah. i don't know uh, yeah i mean i don't know I, I mean i've been it's a long time away from the game but um you know major juniors and junior hockey now i think they're i think it's better but you know it's still happening right so i mean it's yeah. just it, i don't know i don't know how you change that but well yeah i think i think it really starts by it's going to take a while but i just I don't know. Someone's got to break that cycle because for me, like a lot of the stuff and though, you know, some of the stuff in the news, like, you know, I never really saw anything that like yeah, you know, criminal or anything like that. Having said that, I, I think there was definitely situations where I could be like, well, like this was a girl maybe pressured and felt like she couldn't say no. Maybe. Yeah. Like I, I think definitely that's the case. Having said that it's, uh, you know, I, I think it's people being able to hold each other accountable and speak up when something doesn't feel right. Because imagine being a, like this 16 year old and you see something wrong and it's a 20 year old captain or something on the team doing something and you just join the team. Are you yeah. going to stand up and be like, hey, hey, bud. Hey, like, like that's a really uncomfortable position. But we need to find a way where people are able to, to you know, if they see something, then then start to speak up about it. And also, you know, if they don't want to. Um, you know, drink or whatever. There should be no, there should be no pressure, but I know it's still happening because I saw, I got a picture and I'm not going to say who, but I got a picture from a, a junior rookie party the other night where this guy was dressed up like a baby, uh, you know, diaper with the bottle and everything else. So this kind of stuff, this, you know, whether it's all in fun, some people can look at it that way. Um, but there's certain things where I'm just like, oh, like, is there a need for that? Like, what's, yeah. what's the point of that? Yeah, I I agree. It's it's kind of um, the game's evolving, right? Like yeah, the world's evolving. You have to be really careful nowadays, and so um, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of like money on the line as you get you know into pro level, and uh, yeah, it's just it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. Yeah, a lot of lot of money involved. A lot of money involved. Um, let's talk about your. You know, you you go. You're undrafted to the Western Hockey League. You go to Chilliwack, and you just light it up right away. Eighty points, and then a hundred points. Um, like that's a there's a couple of really good uh, strong years, and you find yourself uh, getting drafted by Calgary. Um, who cares about the WHL draft now? Yeah. 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 And that was, that was obviously special, right? Like unexpected. You don't really, it wasn't like, 
not a lot of people got drafted on the BCHL in 2001. So in 2002, um, so it was, uh, it was a big deal for me. It was a big deal, I think, to start to, um, I mean, the league started to get more of awareness that guys who were playing and doing well in there could definitely play in the NHL and, or at least, uh, you know, as good as any other league. So um, that was cool. Uh, motivating, but at the same time, you're just, I, I was already kind of committed to going to BU and I knew that going to major junior, you know, you're done at 21, going college route, you get an extra year or two to develop. So um, that was like a no brainer at that point to go to university. And uh, man, like when you talk about, like if you were to break down my hockey career from juniors till I retired, uh, let's 14, 15 years. And my favorite four years, uh, hands down were college. I mean, playing in Boston, living in Boston, the school part was, you know, challenging, but man, like what a life experience, uh, through and through from the life of being a college athlete to, um, you know, the, the big, the bonds you get living with guys for four years. Cause in pro hockey, you don't really get, you're not with guys for four years cause the turnover is a little bit more, but when you're with those guys in, um, what about that? How about that hair? Hey, eh? <laughs> what a mop, uh, man. Like, you know, you just get, you get like, my best, my best guys that I keep in touch with, and it, it's getting a little bit, I'm not doing as good with it anymore because time's moving on, but are those guys from college, those guys that you lived with for four years, your, your classmates that you lived with for four years, it was, uh, it was pretty special. And, and that's why um, when, I, when you talk to people about going major junior in college, it doesn't even compare in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I know major junior is a little bit of a, it, I, I can I can appreciate the um, you know the major junior big crowds and but riding the bus for 14 hours and playing in the grind of it all um, but there's nothing like a big university um, you know and the college life uh, you know and you see that more and more guys nowadays you know you see guys go there just for that experience so yeah even uh, if it's for one year right exactly. they'd rather yeah. go have the the one year of college like experience yeah. um completely unrelated to school like that's not why they're there just to go because it's it is like they really uh they do things and i i didn't have that experience but just from uh people that went that that route like you have and and from seeing things on youtube and videos and the dressing rooms yeah. and the oh, crowds man. and yeah. it's like it's first class it's like nhl like honestly yeah. you know yeah. like it's, nowadays BU, they keep, uh, they always like reach out to all the alumni and they're trying to get us to, to do donate money. And it's funny cause like they're chartering now, you know, like they, these, these, uh, college teams are, they're, they're charter flies. Like they fly like the NHL and you're like, what the heck? I'm not paying for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not paying for those guys to charter. Nobody paid for me to charter when I was there, right? Like, um, yeah, you played with uh, Brandon Yip for a bit. I, I used to train with Yipper uh, for a few years out in uh, out in Maple Ridge at Fit Life, but the guy had some nasty hands. Still yeah, done. you know what? He, he was he had one of the heaviest shots. Yeah. Of anyone I've ever played with, it would just go right through the goalie. Like he, you know, it'd go under the arm, but it would it had so much weight behind it, it would find its way in. Like just a just an NHL shot yeah. and um, you know, smart player, great player. Um, but I just remember his shot. He was just yeah. a special shot, but uh, great guy. He was um, 
I recruited him. Like he was, when he came down to Boston university, he stayed with at uh, with me and it was kind of, I showed him around the campus and then he ended up uh, coming to BU and um, had a good four years there um, as well. So it was, yeah, he's a great guy. I've lost touch with him, but uh, he's the type of guy that when you see him, you know, you, it just you can yeah. carry on where you left off. Yeah, he's a he's a character for sure. Um, <laughs> you guys won a championship there, um, and you're the captain of the team, right? So yeah, we won the hockey East championship. We didn't win like the NCAA's uh, that year, but we yeah. we had a good team that year. My my last year there, we won the hockey East championship, which is pretty special. It's a, you know any championship's hard to win, so uh, yeah, it was it was an awesome awesome kind of comeback. Like I had that that you know that college experience. Um, I ended up having uh, an injury in my third year there, my junior year, near the end of the year, I had a torn abdominal, but I didn't know what it was. No doctors at the time really knew. It's kind of a weird, um, I guess they're getting better at, at diagnosing it nowadays, but when I had it, it felt like no one knew what was going on. So um, I missed half of that first, uh, first part of that, uh, my senior year, my last year there. And then when I came back, uh, we, we just kind of went on a run and we had, um, you know, I kind of had some, I had a lot of time to make up. I had only like a half season left to like, to do well before, you know, kind of leaving university and going pro. So I wanted to show well, and, um, we ended up having a great run and, and won the hockey East and, um, yeah, like the bean pot tournament in Boston. I don't know if you've ever uh, heard about that. It's a pretty yeah. big, big local right. tournament there a lot it's of like north northeastern and bu yeah. and, and yeah BC and, harvard. and harvard yeah okay and we won that we won that three out of the four years but you want to win it in your senior year because in the senior year you end up like there's all these little um traditions with uh when you win you, the team drops you off right at the bar on the bus ride home and you just get all these cool little um kind of extra kind of uh special little things that year when you if you win it in your senior year so they take care of the seniors so we won that and um i won uh an award at the end of the season and i was like i remember uh doing my speech in front of everybody and i walk up there and i'm like i just like to thank all my teammates for sucking the first half of the year so that they make me made me look good and i coming back from injury and everyone's just laughing i'm just like you know that's just me right i'm just I just like being, uh, you know, it, it was all in humor, but there's true. Yeah, yeah. They sucked. They were, they were, they couldn't win a game. So then, of course, when I come back and then we started winning, it made me look great. So I was like, thanks, guys. They needed, they, they needed the captain back. Sometimes that's just yeah. what, that's, but that, listen, that changes. People don't understand how much that, uh, you know, even one, one player, their impact they can have, not just uh, their effectiveness on the ice, but what it does for the morale in the room and, uh, and for the team, especially if you're you're the captain and a four year guy and a leader, it can it can shift the whole energy in the room like uh, easy. Yeah, I mean, and especially too when uh, you have like in college. I mean, it's a little different because you can't just trade. You can't just pick up someone from the minors. You know, you're kind of stuck with what you got. There's no depth. So I mean, there's depth, but there's extra players, but they don't have the ability to replace you. So when you're, you know, I'd like to say I was one of the better players that year. And when you're missing them, like it's, it's a lot different than other leagues where you can just sign somebody temporarily or, you know, yeah. it's a, kind of yeah, a big, a big gap or big hole to fill. Sorry. Um, 
you, you, you turn pro, you spent a couple of years in the American League. Obviously, you have a tremendous amount of success there. Uh, you make your NHL debut in 2008, 2009 with Calgary. Did you know you were getting the call? No, I was starting to get a little bit. Um, I was getting discouraged because, uh, yeah, Calgary wasn't, you know, like in my, you know, Calgary was a tough spot to be, uh, a tough organization to be with when I was there. They, they just didn't give guys a chance. Like they weren't, they were, they were signing, they signed guys, you know, veteran players like Craig Conroy and, um, you know, gave, they were given veterans in the league places to play and they just wouldn't give new young, you know, they wouldn't give their, um, their guys in the minors a chance. So it was frustrating. It was by the time I got the call up, obviously I was super excited, but you know, you start to lose faith and, and you're, you're like, I'm, I don't know if I'm ever going to get a shot, you know? So, um, but yeah, then I got it. So it was, it was, um, you know, something I'll never forget. Right. Like I, I, I don't remember anything first off. Like I have no memory zero. I can't remember yesterday, which is, um, uh, I don't know why, like I'd come off the ice and I couldn't remember what that shift was like guys. My, my line mate would be like, Hey, uh, when you're in the corner over there, like, remember, like look over in the, I'm like, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't remember that. Like, I don't remember what just happened. Yeah. It was super weird. So, but I remember my first game. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. But if you're going to remember anything at all, that's probably a pretty good one to remember. Right. Yeah. Um, Got to be a pretty cool experience. Uh, leading up to that point, what kind of uh, like kind of headspace you said you, you thought it was never going to come. You're getting discouraged. What does that look like uh, for, for you and how did you get through it? Uh, yeah. I mean, you're, you're just grinding out in the minors, man. Like it was, I was in Omaha, Nebraska the first year and then, um, uh, my rookie year there in, in the American hockey league. And then I didn't get a call up that year. And then we, the team moved to the, to quad cities. Um, uh, and it was just kind of, it's not a super, there's not a lot going on there. It's a few hours West of Chicago. It's cold and the long bus rides in our division and it's a grind. So to get called up and, and finally get like to go play. We, I played, um, we we're playing against uh, Minnesota and um, at home in Calgary and finally get the, the call up. My parents drove all the way across from, you know, Abbotsford, not that long. It was like 10 hours. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, when you're in the, when you're like, when you're so focused on something on a goal, I mean, you're it, looking back, like you, you just wake up the next day and you just go to the rink and you just keep going. But um, it's, it's definitely a roller coaster of emotions, right? Like, I don't know. I can't tell you how I got through it. You just put the, put the next foot in front of the other and you just keep going. Like, there's no quit. Like, I don't, I'm not a quitter. Like it's, I'll do something that I hate doing until I, I die because <laughs> I'm not going to quit. So um, that's how I got there. I mean, I just, it was just determination, just nothing's going to stop me, um, you know, um, from getting that game. And that's the frustrating thing I think in, at the end of the day in my career is like, my goal wasn't to just play a game in the NHL. My goal was to be in the NHL and, you know, be full-time guy, like have a career in the NHL. So I feel like I felt short, fell short on that. And that's where I'm always, I've got this like this issue in my mind about my hockey career and that because I didn't hit my goal. My goal wasn't just play, you know, 60 games or 59 games. It was to play 
600. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's uh, how it goes. Well, it's, uh, you're not the only, you're not the only one, right? Totally. I think, I think, and I mean, there's very few because let me, let me tell you, not too many guys even play a game in the NHL. I played exhibition. That's as close as I got. I mean, I was 21 when I kind of just fizzled away from hockey, but who knows? Probably, you know, there's a good chance, you know, never would even played one game, right? Like, so it's, it's important though, to be able to recognize that you did accomplish like a huge goal that, you, you know, you got to live your dream, whether it was, for 50 games or 60 or 600, I, I know um, that you always feel like it could have been more, but that's a, that's a really uh, tough thing when you're so ultra competitively focused um, and then kind of having to, you know, when the time comes to leave the game, uh, you spend a lot of time in the A, you know, 50 ish games in the show and you went over to the DEL for one year. And that's sort of like, I, I think when you, you make that decision to go overseas, it's sort of like, I think for a lot of hockey players, it's like, well, I'm just, I'm going to go over to Europe and play now. The the NHL dream is over. Was that sort of how you felt? And and and, and how was that for you, if you don't mind sharing about it? Because I know it's not easy for, for most. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, like, that's exactly it, right? And um, is when do you call it? When do you go over to Europe and experience, you know, uh, lighter schedule, more money per you know a little bit more money than the american hockey league and uh cool experiences there's there's tons of guys over there that are there's you know a million of me over there guys who could have played in the nhl who did play in the nhl who just didn't get a fair you know maybe fair opportunity but there's so much talent in those leagues um so but i i and like you know when i when i think about my career when i reflect because i just i had to um I had to give a speech lot this past year uh, for uh, the Abbotsford Sports Hall of Fame. I got inducted into, and so I I did this big. Um... <laughs> Way to go! Sorry to interject. Hold on, Abbotsford Sports Hall of Fame. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so I had to like reflect on my career. So I've already had this uh, this big long um reflection before this show because otherwise this would be the first time i've ever thought about these things but you know looking back at my career and and what i did for my speech was um i wrote a letter to myself um and i, nice. I cried the whole hour <laughs> Good. I, was just, I was just bawling like on in front of like 100 people like giving a speech. it was hilarious it. looking I back but, um so it was a good, uh, it was good. Cause it was a little bit of a closure for my, for my career. Cause when I quit hockey, uh, I just moved on to the next thing, which was the fire service. And I never looked back and I never really had that opportunity to reflect. So, but what I, what I'm saying now is that when you go to Europe, yeah, you are quitting. Like your question, just to go back to your question is you're, you're kind of, for me, that was quitting. It was really hard to, to quit North America and go to Europe. Cause, um, and it just was never the same. And that's why I only lasted a year there for a couple of reasons. I had three little kids. It was hard to be in Europe with three kids, little babies. Um, my wife was um, struggling with no support. We had, a, we, we left uh, Abbotsford with a newborn baby and a one-year-old and a three-year and a half-year-old on this plane to Germany. And um, it was not easy for her. Um, more than me because I just went and played hockey, but she had to take care of these three kids in this strange place. Um, 
but it was also my, I had a torn groin too. That wasn't healing. I had some injuries. So that one year in, in Germany was like, we kind of knew it was the end, but, but that decision the year after, like, or the year before was we want, I want to call their cup right with Manchester Monarchs. And so, you know what they say, like winners get paid, right? So you win a cup, call their cup and you're like, oh, all right, things are great. You know? And then there's no interest in, in North America anymore. I couldn't really, there was no contracts for me and which kind of sucked because you think that after winning a Calder cup and you'd, you'd maybe get some opportunity again, but it just didn't really, um, you know, I, what I didn't have, there was, we had an amazing team with lots of young talented players. Obviously it wasn't me who won the Calder cup. I mean, it's always, uh, you know, a whole team that wins it, but um, yeah, it would have been nice to get some offers in North America and stay over here just didn't, wasn't in the cards. And then I went to Europe, but it was hard. It was hard making that like that. Okay. I I'm done. I'm done. The, I'm done with my dream. My dream's over. And um, yeah, I, I don't uh, sucks when you have to leave on those terms, right? Not everyone gets to leave on their terms though. Most guys don't. So it's again, like, yeah, but just, yeah, but just, me, just, but. Because, just because that's the way it is because we don't get to leave on our terms and, and other people don't get to leave on their terms. That doesn't mean that it, that's not allowed to hurt and that it's not, that it's not allowed to, uh, that we're not allowed to have, you know, uh, some, some feelings and emotions behind it because hockey isn't just a game for when you're a professional hockey player. Um, it is a way of life. It is uh, essentially our identity, whether that's a healthy thing or not. I'm not really sure. Um, but I know it was, uh, for me and you played longer than I did. So, um, you know, I, I think it's, you know, we all say, oh, well, nobody really gets to leave on their terms. Well, that doesn't matter. Like still yeah. sucks. Like it, sucks. Sucks. it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Like super sucks. I want to get to uh, a couple, uh, comments before we go on here. Um, my dad was, uh, my dad's watching, uh, was, he said, thanks for coming on, uh, I guess he's off to the Canucks game, he said in another comment. Um, Dean Smeal, Harv's younger brother, watching, says, great conversation, told Harv, you were on today, told me to say hi, he may watch later, as he's in a town meeting or something. Dean <laughs> <laughs> you know, out there in St. Paul, Alberta, how are you? Uh, always thanks for watching. He's become a, great, a awesome. good friend. He's a, become a good friend of mine and definitely this show, always watching. Seward Smith, assistant fire chief, the boss. <laughs> The yeah, boss, boss, out there. Yeah. A great conversation everybody's path in hockey is different just like everyone's path in recovery is different that was from earlier yeah um kyle frost gill says <laughs> get this guy back on the ice hold on kyle <laughs> talk talk you know talk. why they, they keep trying to get me to play in their uh fire firefighter tournament. i know i heard i heard uh you lost some uh teeth when you went out one time and that was it that was it yeah well I had, uh, I had, I have braces cause of it. They got my forefront teeth knocked in from, uh, the first shift of a Sunday night, just drop in hockey. And, um, I haven't been on since playing with my gear. I've been on coaching and stuff, but do you, do you love, do you love coaching? Like, do you love being on the ice or is it still hard for you? It, like, man, I, I, I honestly thought I hated hockey. I couldn't watch it. I didn't want to hear about it. I didn't want to, I didn't care about it. I was quite prepared to never, ever even put my skates on again. I couldn't be bothered because I was, I had so much resentment towards the game because very much like yourself, you know, you just feel like 
have, you know, whatever. I, you know, in my case, I made some really bad decisions and struggle and you know, it's always the what if, what if. And that was really hard being in yeah. jail watching, you know, some of these guys I played with and they're playing the NHL and I'm sitting in a jail cell. You know, like I started to hate hockey, but being able to, to, to make peace with that um, and and be proud of you know my four games in the American Hockey League before I got hurt. Like that's it's a lot further even that. Like you made it further than I did, but even that that's a lot further than most people ever make it. Like that's it's, it's awesome. Like it's incredible. Like we we both have to you made you play in the NHL. Like that's an incredible accomplishment. Like no one can ever take that away from you ever. Yeah, absolutely. I, I am super proud, but like you said, there's there's all these what ifs in your mind, right? Um, I I still I love being um, on the ice um, with uh, my kids, and and I, I like I'm kind of getting back into doing some skills and and yeah. you know skill consulting and and um, just an infancy of that. But um, playing is is uh, hard for me because. Um, real hockey for me is playing like as hard as I can and uh, finishing my checks and having guys, you know, play the right way. And then when you go to this, these drop-ins or, or men's league or a tournament, um, a, you can't try your hardest because if you do, then yeah. you feel stupid. Yeah. And if you don't try and you don't look good, then guys are like, what this guy used to play in the NHL. Why does he suck? Yeah. Um, so there you're, you're like almost like you're trying to, you know, walk this thin line of being good, but not too good, but not shitty. And <laughs> yeah, I'm overthinking it for sure. So. Me too. Dude, it's so funny. You brought that up. I just started playing. I just started playing beer league here um, in town in Muskoka with this, uh, this great group of guys. And um, I didn't really know what to expect. Like I'd never even seen a game or what the league was like or anything. And they asked me to come home and play. And I'm talking to some people. And I'm just like, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm just going to go out there. I'm going to have fun. I'm not going to try to score. I'm going to try to set some people up, like everything else. And I'm telling you, I came off the bench because I, I didn't even go out. I didn't want to start. Right. Like, I'm not going to go out and start. Like, I'm just going to go on the bench and just whatever. And I'm just going to go out and take it super easy. I'm telling you, I came off the bench, man. And I just, you know, you can't turn it off certain things. I, I read the play and I could see the guy was going to put it right up the middle. And I just cut the pass off breakaway like five seconds into my first shift. I scored. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, hot shot, you know, come on. Like, man, like, come on. Like, you know, and then so I just shut her down for the rest of the game because it is it's it's awkward and if you try too hard there's always it seems like there's always one guy that tries to knee or try to fight your tribute and it's like is it even makes it, it's tough right it's like is it even worth coming out here but it's uh when you can find the, the right group um or if it's even just coaching uh, i yeah. find a lot of uh a lot of like purpose in being on the ice certainly in a coaching role yeah and i my next uh like once i get my braces done here and then after two years of having braces and get a new mouth guard <laughs> i i might try out uh i might go out again but when i do it i've thought a lot about like um trying it just like i like you i know i've watched some of your podcasts about um like the microdosing and stuff thc so i've thought about playing with a little microdose just to see if it'll yeah. bring me to a level where i can actually just be present and just enjoy the simplicity of being on the ice because like all all what we talk about are anxieties it's the anxieties of oh am i too good or i'm not trying hard enough or you know what are guys thinking of me while i'm on the ice like who cares about all that it's just about the feeling of you know of the skates on the ice and just yeah. the edges and just being in the smell of the arena and all those things that 
um, I would appreciate a lot more, uh, you know, if I was microdosing. So uh, uh, that's my next, I think my next uh, kind of therapy is I'll try it that way. And we'll just see where that takes me. Yeah. Unless I get hurt or I'm just standing there drooling all over the ice or something. But no, I don't. I, I think with the microdose, I don't think you'll have that problem. And um, yeah, it's cool that you bring that up because it's not, you know, it's not something I, I typically like to push all the time on this podcast because I'm very cautious about um, like influencing people. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, I have to talk about what's worked for me. And yeah. let me tell you, I've tried basically everything under the sun and just because it works for me might not work for somebody else but like i I have to tell people like when i started to share my story i was like i got to be brutally honest and maybe some some of the things not everyone's going to agree with but let me tell you what's worked for me and so i think that's it's it's incredible it's helped a lot of different just in in specifically specifically hockey players i think you've maybe heard on this podcast there's a lot of uh a lot of different guys that have gone down that that path and it's it's really changed uh change their life um whether they be uh recovering even like addicts like me where it's helped or somebody who's just like you know like you're obviously dealing with some anxiety that's mental health like that's uh, that's not a a good place to be in and people could be like oh that's a you know you could be going well this isn't that bad of a problem to have because like you know i'm probably the best player out here but like that's like let me tell you that's not a fun place to be in like dealing with that And, and then not being able to feel comfortable in a place where it should be the place the one place you're at you're at peace and i kind of want to talk about your job because my dad right retired 35 years captain um and uh you know i, I used to love going to the fire hall see my dad at work i was really proud of my dad uh, for being a fireman uh, and you know I, I didn't really realize how much um of an impact that job had on his mental health too so it's a tough job it's a great job Right. I, I can't speak to it. I always wanted to be a fireman, but my convictions <laughs> kind of derailed that. Um, uh, but I always just had such a great uh, uh, sense of pride that my dad was a fireman because it's just such an honorable profession. But uh, as much as there's camaraderie like a hockey dressing room, has there been uh, like, is it is it tough like dealing with the, the things that you have to deal with on a daily basis? And, and that's why I kind of said like when you can't have hockey or something to uh, escape to like almost like to have that therapeutic, like what, what does that look like? Right. So that's kind of why I asked, um, you know, how's the transition been into firefighting and, and all that comes with it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think the fire service is uh, an excellent transition for hockey players or athletes of all types that are on team, team sports. Um, there is a lot of camaraderie um, within, within the fire service, but you know, it is different. Um, it, it's not, you know, just across the board, uh, you know, you're not going to necessarily enjoy it just because you're a hockey player who likes being on a team um, coming over to the fire service, uh, depending on your team, you might not enjoy it. Um, you know, it's, 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 but I, I do know that all the hockey players that I know that have gone into the fire service are all well liked. Um, they're all, um, uh, enjoying their careers. So, uh, I, I, I definitely advocate for uh, guys looking for something to to go to after hockey career would be the fire service because uh, you know if you're not made for a nine to five job um, shift work as has its negatives you know like I think the biggest thing in the fire service that you know there's the tough calls but I think the hardest thing uh, it, it is just the shift work is the nights the nights are hard when you um, 
when you're sleep deprived and then you go home and you're supposed to care for your family and your kids and you're tired and because you were up all night going to overdoses and medical calls and car accidents and um it it does weigh it does you know it definitely is i didn't think it i didn't realize it like getting into it i'm all you know now i've been on seven years and you're like holy cow like uh this is it is tough being doing the night shifts um so but no job's perfect right like i mean you have to um you have to kind of weigh it all but um a lot of good trend things translate and I definitely still enjoy the actual job. And I said it earlier, I don't remember the calls I go to because I don't remember yeah. yesterday. I don't remember anything. So, yeah. um, I mean, I have to think really hard about, um, jogging up some of these memories of some of the, you know, the dead people and the calls you go to, um, which is maybe a blessing for me. So yeah. having I'm, no memories I'm, helping me in that. <laughs> absolutely. Do you know why that is? Were you always like that? Or is there like concussions? Like, did you, was that a part of your story or? Uh, I've had concussions, but I don't think it's related to concussions. I honestly, I honestly don't know. I, I just hope it's not something like, um, that's going to bite me in, in 10, 20 years, like dementia or something. But, um, I don't know. I, I, I can remember things if I, you know, I can remember things, but it's just, it's in there. I just can't jog it. Like I can't like pull it from the, the hard drive. So I, I, yeah, I, I have, uh, you know, I had a lot of concussions and, and different things and, and I just, I, I just feel like different um, as I've kind of gotten older and my memory, it's kind of what I ask, like my memory is garbage. Yeah. Uh, especially my short term memory is, is really bad. Um, but trying, I'll, I'll lose track of like what I'm in the middle of what I'm doing. I'm surprised that hasn't happened during this show. Um, but yeah, it, it sort of poses that, that question. Um, you know, what does, what does it look like? You know, the, the head traumas from the game and, and, you know, people talk about this stuff like concussions, like, and I knew what I was signing up for and I was all yeah. in, you know, yeah. like there's no question. Like I knew what I was signing up for and I was all in and I don't, um, you know, and I know that I full well know that there was times when I should have just been like, no, I can't play. I'm not going to play, but it wasn't because you know, there was times where it's like, Oh, I don't want to be out of the lineup for this or that. But mostly it was because no, I want to play. Like, I don't want to sit out. So I'm just going to keep playing. So I don't blame anybody, but I am concerned for maybe what the future can hold. Um, definitely. But I don't like to think about it too much. You there? Sorry, I lost you. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, we got, um, yeah no, that's yeah. okay. We got, uh, we got Dean Smeal. Uh, he, I guess he talked to Harv. He said, Hey, David, Harv's just said <laughs> he's proud of you. Uh, Stuart. Yeah, Harv, eh? Like, just one guy where you just, uh, it's been forever since I've seen him, but he had such a legacy in Chilliwack. So yeah. uh, for him to leave and not be a, there anymore, I don't, even, I don't really, he was the Chilliwack Chiefs, man, when I was around. So it's, yeah. uh, yeah, it's crazy, but I'm hope I hope he's doing well. Yeah, well, uh, we'll get we'll get the message to him. I believe he's living out in St. Paul now, uh, in his hometown in Alberta, where Dean is uh, Dean is uh, watching from right now on oh. Facebook. Come on, Dean, we're trying to get over to YouTube. Everyone on Facebook, if you can go to YouTube, trying to grow the YouTube. Either way, just appreciate you guys being here. Uh, Brody Kerbison watching says, uh, "Love hearing your story, David, and listening. How determined you are." to reach your goals. Congratulations on your time you played in the show and your hockey career. Yeah. Thanks. My buddy, uh, it's my buddy Brody. 
Um, we'll get back to uh, to a couple more here in uh, in a few moments at the end of the show. Um, yeah, like overall, though, right? Like if I have to ask you, um, your your experience in hockey was probably great, right? Like you wouldn't trade it for the world. But where, like, where are you like today with like we we talked about earlier? Like you still have that sort of uh, you know the what ifs or whatever. Um, where are you at with today? Are you watching hockey? Do you, do you care to watch hockey? Are you, are you a fan of the game or is it still, uh, is it still hard for you? And and do you feel like maybe when there's, we get a little bit older here and there's absolutely nobody playing in the NHL that we, or pro hockey that we played against, do you think that'll make it a little bit easier? Yeah, it's a little bit of all that, right? Like, um, I didn't watch hockey when I, when I played hockey and I didn't watch hockey when I was a kid cause I was playing road hockey. So yeah. it's not really, I'm pretty ADD. Like it's not really me to sit and watch a hockey game. Uh, the most I'll watch is I'll watch some playoff games. Like I can, I can really appreciate watching Connor McDavid. Like that guy's just like, he's ahead of the game right now and it's pretty special to watch. So I'll watch him a little bit in the playoffs last year. But as far as like my headspace, I'm, I'm just pretty, you know, like I'm, I've got some, I've got OCD, so I I fill it with something new. Like I, you know, I'm not going to just sit and watch hockey or I'm going to be working on, you know, in the fire service, I'm I'm part of our union. I'm a part of our charitable society. Uh, You know, I was, I spent a lot of hours in the charitable doing a a big dinner event that we raised $80,000 for uh, Cyrus center this year. Um, Yeah. Let's go. I love it. So, I mean, like in Cyrus centers, um, you know, it's um, for youth homelessness and, uh, and so it's an amazing cause. So yeah. we raised 80,000 and, you know, it's, it, it, that's where my time goes into things like that. And I got three little kids at home uh, who all have uh, lots of issues who need, who, who need parenting. So um, I'm not short for uh, things to do. I'm always going, I'm always doing something, but um, and now, like I, you know, I touched on at the very beginning of the show, I'm dabbling now in, uh, in just getting back and, and working in a consulting role yes. in, in town here, just very infancy. Like, I don't really know where it's going to take me, but I have kind of recognized that, you know, I think when you think about hockey and, and it's weird to not be seven years removed from the game, but, um, and just to move on and not look back, but it's a, it's a part of me. So I, I feel like I'm ready now to kind of see where that, you know, the coaching side of things takes me and, and um, mentor some young kids and, and yeah. see if that, if that's rewarding or not. And if it's not, and if I hate it, then I won't do it. But I thought I'd start trying and just see, see where it takes me. Um, and um, like my, my area that I want to work on is I'm kind of wanting to like dabble in, in video analysis. Yeah. And, you know, like everyone's doing like, everyone's on the ice skill coaching and all that. And I don't mind doing on ice work. And I think there's definitely value in that, but I want to work on stuff with kids that like, I want to work with the top kids who have the coaches out there that are teaching them stuff, but I want to work on stuff that doesn't get taught. I want to take a kid and I want to sit down with him for an hour and watch his film and talk about the things that, how I see the game. Cause I feel like I saw the game at an elite level that I would love to share my mind with, with these kids. And I think I have something to offer. And I, I keep going back to, uh, you know, how 
um, I didn't make the NHL because I had the best shot. I didn't make it because I was the fastest skater. Like I made it because of, of intangibles, these intangibles that, um, that don't really get uh, on a scorecard, like on the score sheet. Um, it's the guy who's pulling the screen to, or getting in the front of the goalie screening, but you didn't get a point on the play, but you made that goal happen because you were in the right place and doing the thing that only maybe a really expert coach would maybe be aware of, um, yeah. you know, so that intangibles is kind of what I want to pass on. And, um, and yeah. that's, uh, it's just breaking down, breaking down game film with kids. And, and I know it's not really there yet because that, you know, not everyone's videotaping their games and um, people don't really also want to pay. There's not, everyone has the money to spend on a consultant to sit down with their kid to watch game film with them. But um, you know, I, I'm just, again, just dabbling in that, but that's what excites me. It's, it's sharing my mind with these kids and trying to give them what my, I, you know, anyone can teach skating nowadays. Well, anyone, but I want to focus on things that aren't being thought about. Yeah, that, that's and and that's what I think. That's what'll set you apart. I think you'll be tremendously successful at, at doing whatever you you put your your time into. But I think it's a great avenue to go down. And there's something called Chris Versteeg, friend of mine, been on the show. You obviously yeah, remember Chris Versteeg. I saw that. Yeah, um, awesome. he's got the uh, he's got this new app called the Clever App. It's not just for hockey; it's for all sports. It's 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 a great app. But it's sort of uh, remember how he meeker, how he could draw on the screen and do all that kind of stuff. You can actually do that, and you can set up your account there, and you can kind of like do video analysis through through just like you know you don't have to sit down with them, and you can you know charge uh, you know however much you want. It could be a ten minute, half an hour, hour, um, and not a whole lot of people are doing it. I've had a few like requests for me, um, but I have so much stuff going on, and I don't you know I'm, I I do like I'm actually more of a student of the game now than I ever have been. Interestingly enough, I wish I could have seen the game. Like I see it now as a player. I'm like, what, what was I missing this whole time? Like, come on. But um, I, I think there's a, when you're, you know, you, you have that, uh, that unique experience. And there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, you, you see the game at just such an elite level. And, and I feel like as players, I, I, I do feel um, in some capacity, it, it is our, our job to, to try to, to, to leave an impact, you know, in the game, in somebody's life, um, even if it's just uh, a small, it doesn't mean it has to be your life coaching, but um, to pass on that knowledge, what what a waste if it's just sitting there, right? And you're not, you're not using it anymore. Like it's still so valuable to, to right, so many yeah. people and to you probably find a, a whole ton of purpose in doing it. Well, that's where you hope that that connections made where that love of the game that you had when you were, you know, eight, 10 and 12 on the road playing road hockey. Um, and just that, you know, that, uh, yeah, that you yeah. hope that you can bring that, bring that back. Cause I, I miss it. I miss that love of hockey. I mean, it's, um, people ask me if I miss it and I miss parts of it. I miss, I miss the competition. I miss the, um, you know, wanting to be the best. And so, maybe you can translate that into wanting to help someone be the best with mentorship kind of thing. So, yeah, well, it looks like you may have your first client. Janice Newton says it's such a need and I would pay for it for my junior player. There you go. You're hired. There you go. Yeah, I know. Right. Like it's, again, it's just, I, that thing with Christopher Stieg sounds awesome. I actually had, had seen that and I've been again, looking, uh, looking to see what that's all about learning more, but, um, 
yeah, there's, it's hard to advertise because I'm not the type who wants to be like, Hey, look at me, Dave Vandergoo, like, you know, I played in the NHL. So that's just not yeah. me. So you kind of have no. to just word of mouth and just go talk you, to coaches around town. And yeah, but you kind of have to, man. Like I, know, I, I, I get it. That. I get it. I hate it too. But at some capacity, it's, you know, you you can wear that as a badge of honor, like we talked about, and like nobody can take that away. And sometimes that's the that gets through the barrier to entry like that, right? Yeah. And then that's and dude, like you worked your whole life, right? Like you're you should be proud of that. And there's a way to go about it. And I think you're definitely, you know, through your professional, not just hockey player, but through the union and all the other stuff you're doing, I think you'll find a way to do it. Sometimes it's just blasting out emails but i'm also the same way where i'm like scared to even send out an email in fear of like i don't know just like stepping on toes or or like interjecting somewhere where they already have somebody and i don't want to piss them off or this other person and so i'm just like well maybe i'll just wait for people to come to me and it it happens but it happened like to do it we got to take that step forward like you gotta you gotta be kind of proactive so i would highly encourage you to uh to do that if it, it seems like it's starting to call you a little bit yeah uh, we'll see where and that's the nice thing about it is it doesn't have to be um there's no pressure right there's just it's just let's let's try and just see where it takes you um if i can um you know if i can get into the back get back into the game a little bit through it then uh and it, it might be amazing i'm kind of sad my kids don't play hockey this year uh part of me is happy because it's such a big commitment with uh youth hockey but um and uh, and but there, I, I was coaching for the last couple of years and now they, they decided they don't want to play this year. So now there's no arenas. I'm not in the arena anymore. So maybe that's what's pushed me over the edge of trying to get back into the consulting thing. Uh, but um, yeah, again, like I don't want to be a coach. I don't, I don't have time to, um, to do that kind of stuff because I'm busy with so much else. But uh, that's where this kind of maybe can fill a little bit of just um, – fill the void and just just dabble in it a little bit here and there with no no commitment yeah you guys have some great programs in your area too with some access to some some pretty elite hockey players out there that could definitely benefit from uh from your service and then i mean now we're in 2022 with social media and things like the clever app it's pretty easy to have access to people wherever they are um send send it send a video clip over uh do you could even do you could do like a live analysis where you're on a video chat or you could just make a clip talk on the clip and send the clip back like there's there's so many options and i think that's something that i look forward to hopefully see you doing um i want to just the last thing i want to i want to circle back to your speech at the abbotsford uh sports hall of fame and and kind of like how that let like what was that what was that experience like leading up to um yeah like were you able to to take a moment that that night and and, and realize your accomplishments yeah i mean my letter to myself was basically um was basically that was it was just reminding myself to um like talking to my younger self, right. It was a letter to my younger self. And, and if I could tell myself, uh, my 20 year old self to just enjoy the ride and enjoy the, the victories along the way. Um, because, you know, you get drafted into the NHL and you don't pause to really reflect on that at the time. Cause you're on to the next thing and your ADD OCD is on to that. You know, I'm out playing, I'm out training, I'm doing stuff and I'm not, I never really paused along the way, uh, through my 15 years there um to really enjoy the ride and so um 
and I'm still working on it to this day. Like, you know, three little kids at home. I, I, I know that this is the time of my life and I wonder why I'm, I often like wonder why I'm not enjoying it as much. And so, um, it's just a, a mental health is that's, what's so great about like, you know, what you do is because, um, uh, and that's why it's nice to share, but, um, I, you know, like I always feel like everyone, uh, there's so many more people in, in horrible situations and I'm pretty damn grateful for where I am in life and for everything I've had and been and worked for and, and all the opportunities I've had, but I've still got just as much problems as the next guy. I, you know, I wake up, uh, and I have my bad days and, um, you know, my bad days just haven't been your bad days, but, um, but in, in perspective, they're, they're bad. And so I'm, I'm so, I'm so glad you brought that up. Sorry to cut you off because yeah. it, it, it isn't a comparison perspective is everything like somebody's uh, struggles or suffering is irrelevant to what it may look like on the outside of somebody else. Like it, it is, it, it can be very, very challenging. So sorry for cutting you off, but no, please. yeah, well, that's, that's like you said though, it's, um, it mental health is uh we, i just i see it in my family through covid i see it in myself and my wife and we um you know we all like my we're nobody nobody that i know of doesn't have um you know mental health issues it's it's just perspective and there's different it's a big scale but um my hockey career and my letter to myself was in a, like at that awards thing was an opportunity to kind of reflect, but it was also an opportunity to just what you said, um, really just recognize that I am really proud of myself. And that's the only person that I need to care about who, you know, I don't care what uh, other people think of my career. Cause I, I still get, you know, the people that um, look at my career as uh you know oh i was a minor league player or a journeyman nhl you know you know there's all these negative associations with being a minor league player but um you know i i remind myself i played in the nhl i'm super proud of it and um i'm the only one i need to i need to prove it to and i only that and so that was my letter to myself and um and going forward i i just yeah it's it's always it's always easier to um to look back and, and enjoy, you know, when I look at my kids ages from a year ago and you look at them you're like, they're so cute. Uh, but right now they're so cute still too. They're still pretty little. And so why am I not enjoying it right now today? So that's the goal. And that's the, that's the journey is to just really, uh, and that's where the micro dosing comes in and just enjoying the moment, enjoying life as it is right now and being grateful. And so, uh, man, that's my spiel, but like, it, that's, it's, we're all in it. We're all in the same boat. Um, and so this mental health stuff about being able to just open up and talk about it. And, um, it is the, the best thing that we can possibly do for ourselves. Wow. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. Like, um, that's, uh, exactly, um, you know, the, the kind of stuff that, that helps people. And uh, Marty Westerland saying needed this. A lot of powerful things said. And it's been a rough week with mental health and anxiety battling and going through this alone. It's hard, Marty. Um, you know, thinking of you. And I think Elaine Sterk may be watching. Elaine, maybe we can uh, connect you with Marty. Marty can definitely reach out to me as well. Um, it's not easy. And, and it's to your point, uh, Dave, that... <laughs> I, I've yet to meet somebody, right? I talk adults, not little kids, but meet somebody, an adult that is uh, not themselves gone through something 
or or know somebody they they love deeply who has uh, gone through or is currently going through uh, something related to to mental health. And um, you know, it's it's hard, right? On those days when when you wake up, like there's days where like I, I got it, like I'm feeling great. <laughs> I don't really know why. Um, and then the next day, it seems like I can wake up and it's just like, oh, like. You know, and I, I try to be grateful and I am like overall, like I, I still am very like every day I ground, I'm able to ground myself and I know how lucky I am just to be alive and to have all these opportunities that I have ahead of myself. And I have kids and I have like so many great things like you're saying, but sometimes it's just so like, I just seems like I just cannot find joy. Like, and people ask me, Brady, how are you doing? Good. I'm not good. Like I, I'm like one, it feels like sometimes I'm like one step away from like that edge and, um, you know, it just keep powering on. Uh, and though maybe I'm not going to go over that edge, doesn't feel very good to be very close to that edge, does it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you're you talk about it, and and people when you come on the show and all the people that you've had now and all these episodes, you realize that it's uh, it's everybody. You know, nobody's different. Um, we all are struggling with our own things, and not every every life like life's not meant to be easy it, you know we need challenges we need these lows in life to appreciate the highs in life and um yeah it's 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 ongoing you're never i'm never gonna wake up every day being uh you know being happy and and i mean you can you can be grateful and you can be you can enjoy your kids and i can be out there playing road hockey with my kids and still not you're like this is the time of my life why am i not enjoying this so uh just ex- just I guess setting the expectations that it doesn't have to be always doesn't always have to be so great. You don't always have to be uh, ten out of ten happy. Like life's not made that way. My wife keeps reminding me, like you, you, you know, you're gonna go through highs and lows. It's gonna, it's that's part of life. Um, so, yeah, it's a journey, man. It's a journey, and uh, it's just we, the lows. Uh, the we lows. Keep putting it. You know, keep keep moving forward and put your focus into things that are good. Uh, and that's what I try to do is, is um, I try to put my time and energy into things I enjoy. Uh, I wonder why I don't enjoy anything. So then I'm like spiraling about uh, what's next. What should I do? I've thought about all these different businesses and all these different things. And, uh, and my wife keeps reminding me like, all we have right now, our only job in life is to raise three kids that uh, three successful into three successful adults. So that's kind of where I need to put my focus um, more and more. And, um, but um, it's really, it's really tough. And I think it's hard for some people to understand, but when you're um, when you're an elite athlete and everything is just kind of revolved around that next, whatever, the next game, next practice, next contract, next, you know, going from junior to college to, to pro to everything is sort of just so it's almost in a way like self-centered because you have to be. And it's like this, this purpose to like fulfill your life. And um, there's nothing, um, you know, it's really hard to recreate um, in any, in any sense, what that, what, what that's like, the, the journey, the games, the, the, the adrenaline, the, 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 all of it, like you, you just can't recreate that. And you're used to as an elite hockey player, right? Like there, there's certain systems in our brain that are firing on high levels when we're in that, it, like we're in a fight or flight like response like we're on the ice you can't like it's the only sport it's actually crazy not only do you have knives on your feet it's also the only sport other than lacrosse that you can't run away from your opponents or skate away from your opponents <laughs> like you're in there and 
And there's a certain level of chemicals, different things, uh, you know, firing in your brain that are happening to, on a regular basis, even in practice at a, at a pro level, it, it's, it can get pretty intense. And then all of a sudden you go to this life and, uh, and it's sort of taken away. I imagine you have some of that in the fire service when you're thrust into these situations where, where all of a sudden you're on an emergency scene and it's like, Hey, you're kicked into high gear where that might sort of be the same thing i'm not sure um but yeah it, it's tough those lows is there something you do you talk about microdosing the lows is there something that's helped you um is there something that that you're able to do when you're when you are having those hard days and how easy is it for you to uh to talk to people talk to your wife whoever it may be when you're when you're struggling yeah i mean i think that's where um everybody who <laughs> i mean not everybody has the support network, right? Like uh, I, I'm definitely very fortunate. I've always been pretty fortunate to have a, a wife who's kind of given her life up to follow my hockey career. And now she's, sac she's sacrificed. Uh, and, and now it's her time where she's, she needs my support. So there's, there's definitely, I'm pretty thankful. I'm pretty grateful to have a uh, really supportive family, friends and fire service. We have that brotherhood who's, you have guys that are looking out for you. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the bad days, you just kind of, I just kind of put my bad days and I put them into work. Like I'll just, I'll just turn all my attention into and put it into a, a project, uh, whether it's, you know, woodworking or whether it's a home reno or, um, or, you know, charitable or, um, or the union. So I'm never short of projects and things to do. Um, but that's where I need to stay. I need to start to, I'm burning out where I need to take a step mm. back a little bit and just kind of recover because uh, I am trying to do too much. And so um, you can only, your time is your limiting factor. So um, yeah, you got to recognize when uh, sometimes you just need to go and read a book. And <laughs> yeah. so I've been doing that more and more over the last year. What are you reading? What, what, uh, well, what? I've been reading some Jack Reacher books. Okay. Uh, I read Charles. those in jail, read those in jail, almost like a lot, a lot yeah. of those. Yeah. Yeah. And just like for reading for fun, just to let yourself go and relax. Like, and, um, that, that's a new me. So I've tried that and I'm enjoying that having just time where I don't have to do anything else. And I'm always making sure I exercise and, you know, yeah. the meditation thing is one thing that I've been struggling with because I can't get it to be a new routine. Like I can't, I just, I can't make it daily. Like it's just, I'm too ADD to sit still and and shut my mind off. It just, it's really hard for me, but I know I need to. And I, uh, you ever, that I, you ever try and, and I don't do it. I'm not going to tell you what, how to do it or anything. Cause I'm terrible for, for, for right in this uh, last little bit for taking time for myself, even to read, to meditate, do anything. I'm not doing a very good job at taking care of me right now. If I'm brutally honest, doing way too much. Yeah. 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 Keeping myself busy because as long as I'm busy, I don't have to deal with my own head. Right. That's right. <laughs> So, yeah. so, but the meditation thing I, I found and, and maybe I need to take my own advice, but I'm, I'm often the same where it, it's tough to, to sit there because it's like, okay, well I gotta, I always think I gotta meditate for a certain amount of time, but maybe if we just start meditating, we can just do a minute and then the next time it's like a minute yeah. and 10 seconds. Like maybe that's, maybe those are the little increment, uh, increases that we need, uh, and just to focus on the small gains. Cause usually for us, it's like all or nothing. Right. Well, and that's the thing where you like, if it's, you know, I'll go, I'll go do a hard workout and I'm like, Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't make my time. So I'm disappointed, but I've been trying to let go of, of yeah. Having that, um, 
goal, you know, it's just, just doing it for even, like you said, even a minute would be a success at this point because I'm not doing it for anything. So yeah, just being easy on yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. Right. Is, is something else that I'm trying to learn. And, um, you know, we, we, we're our own worst critics. I know I was hard on myself throughout my hockey career and in life, uh, you know, you're always analyzing, you're always kind of, Oh, I should have done that. Or I should have said this or, um, but I mean, yeah, just being more relaxed. That's my key. That's my that's my journey right now. It's just to try to it's tough. Relax. It's not easy. It, it's not easy. Anxiety is down. Yeah. Um, you do like is that something that like you? Is this like a new? Do you think that's new for you? Like the anxiety or like looking back? Is this something that you dealt with the, like all along and and just kind of noticing it now? Well, I think the, to be honest, I think the, the, like the THC, the micro dosing stuff has made me aware of my anxiety levels. So I think my whole life is, I've been a really high anxiety person. I just wasn't able to, I just didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what that felt like, but when I, you know, take a little bit of oil and I'll, I go sit on the patio and I'm watching the sunset and I'm take a breath and I'm just like, just this world is like, this is a, this is amazing right now. This is the, this is just, I'm just, my anxiety's just dropped and I can just appreciate whatever I'm doing, whether it's doing nothing. And so yeah. that's where, I mean, I think that's where the meditation and, and all these other things and um, can help with it. But um, yeah, everyone has their own baseline of what of their brain, their brain chemicals in their brain. I think that uh, there's genetics at play. There's, I mean, you probably know way more than I do with, uh, with, with talking with other experts and people I know I'm really just just doing my own thing with it I haven't really done any research or anything I've just been doing what works for me and um it's all that matters but yeah it's it's definitely let me kind of be aware of what what uh what works for me and just my anxiety levels and dropping them so that you can be present and just be happy with uh with just the simple life right the simple things I got, I got to ask you. So, um, if you put yourself, if, if you could, you know, go back and talk to yourself at, at 20 years old, um, do you think, do you think being that 20 year old, you could have ever imagined that this would be the route you were, you were taking to, to heal and, and what was your stance on things like THC or microdosing or, or things like that? Because, there's still a huge stigma surrounding it for a lot of people, but man, has it helped a lot of people. Holy cow. It's been incredible to hear how many people it's helped, but it still has that, that sort of, uh, for some people that stigma. So, you know, did you, could you ever imagine this was the route that you would be taking and, uh, how's it been? Like, how do you feel like if you're talking about openly, like it, it should be that, it's okay. Like if it works for you, everyone should support it. That's, that's my point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I talk about it in the fire hall. I talk about it with guys and they, they've tried it and they're like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, Dave. Like I just did it. And then I fell asleep and I didn't notice anything. So I, you know, everyone's different. Everyone's brain's different. It affects people differently. I think that um, again, it's, but being able to just talk about it is great. Uh, when I was younger, there was never really the option of doing uh, like oil or at, like I just do some oil. And um, so that's new, right? Like that's not been around. Um, and smoking was never my thing. I mean, so that was never, it was just never an option back then. I have asthma 
And uh, I just don't like smoking. And it also hits you way harder, right? When you smoke versus when you do edibles or oil or whatever, where you can, and you can taper your dose to just, just enough that you just like, again, it takes the anxiety off and you can just go play Lego with your kids and truly be there with them present. So yes. um, it, it really is. Uh, it has been the most probably, it's, it's been the most significant thing in my life for the last few years now. And I don't do it daily, but like a few times a week. And, um, I find that, uh, yeah, it's, it's really opened my eyes. It's really opened my mind to, um, a lot of things that have come out of it, um, in creative processes, um, yeah. with, you know, with things like that and in mental health and, um, you know, even, even being able to reflect in writing my speech for the hall of fame thing, doing it on a little bit of oil. And you just, you can really get into your brain. You can get to different levels that you would never be able to get to, uh, when you're, you know, so sober or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's been just, it's been mind blowing. It's just, that's, I guess the biggest way I can say it. And, and I think that's why I always talk about it. Cause I'm, I hope that people, who, um, who have issues and um, who have, I mean, it's everyone, but who, who have some mental health things and they'd like to try to heal or to try to get to a different level in their, in, and try and, I guess, unwind some of their, their issues. It's, it's something worth trying. And um, so I'm, I'm all about it. Um, but yeah, it's, well, it's, it's incredible that a lot, a lot of, I've talked about this quite a bit on this show where there's a lot of people that, maybe are questioning uh, something like what well, we're talking about plant medicines, but they're so quick to go to a doctor, get a prescription and go take pharmaceuticals. And we're talking about stuff that grows in the ground. Um, and um, you know, I, I hear the word sober and for me, um, uh, you know, like me sober, like riddled with anxiety, like we're talking about everything else. Like I don't feel sober. Like I'm on edge and I'm in like, I'm not feeling good like it it is not a great way to feel um being somebody that was obviously in a a pretty severe drug addiction when i first started to do this i was very cautious because i I was always trying to be to the narrative of of what recovery looked like for the recovery community and you got to be off everything and this and that and i tried for like 12 years rehabs and detox and meetings and everything and for some people that works and that's great but for me like and then it was all pharmaceuticals take this antidepressant take this take this benzodiazepine take this take that whatever and it would all end up leading me to street drugs because that's basically what they were synthetic versions of anyways and so i just would stay in this vicious cycle until finally i just realized that hey you know what like i don't care i'm just gonna do what what's right for me and, and using uh, cannabis products and, and microdosing mushrooms saved my life. And it, it was a regiment that has allowed me to get to a place where I am now have a, a better life. It's a long ways to go, but a better life than I've ever had or ever could have dreamed of um, just even two years ago and prolonged recovery. I don't care about being sober because anyone that takes any antidepressants or any pharmaceuticals, well, I guess you're not sober either. So like, <laughs> that's the way I look at it. And, and to me, it's like, if something works, whether it be the pharmaceuticals, whether it be the plant medicines, if somebody is 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 doing well and they're feeling better, then it uh, then we all just need to support that. And and who cares if it's not good? You don't think it's the right thing for you, but like if you can see somebody that's working for them, then support them. Because let me tell you, when I wasn't doing this, there was a good chance, uh, you know, that I was running amok on society trying to support my addiction. So tell me what's tell me what's worse. Yeah. I, and that's, that's it, right. You kind of said it all there. I mean, it's, 
it's coming around. It's going to, it's taking its time, but um, you know, in, in 50 years, it's going to be like, I mean, there's going to be so much science coming out of some of these studies now that we're finally allowed to do with, uh, with psilocybin and with some of these um, uh, in thera therapeutic um, properties of it all. So yeah, I mean, in time looking back, but I mean, that's where, you know, who knows, right? Who knows what the side effects are in the long-term studies. But um, for, for me right now, it seems to be such a, it gives me balance in life. So um, like you said, I don't, I, I just, I think people need to support uh, each other no matter what. Um, but um, yeah, get rid of the stigma for sure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really not too worried about any long-term, I'm more worried about long-term side effects of some of the chemicals they put in our food and stuff. Yeah, rather than I am. Right. This, yeah. You can go forever on, right. on all, like, you know, what's in the water. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. And so that's, that's the thing. That's, yeah. that's the whole thing. And uh, you know, there's, there's going to be, our bodies are going to process things. And a lot of people don't know that our bodies even have a system in the endocannabinoid system that is literally made for the plant, uh, for the, for the cannabis plant, for the hemp plant really. And, um, you know, I don't, I'm not a doctor. I, I only know very little from, as you kind of talked about people coming on the show and telling me, I know very, very little, I'm not an expert, but I know enough that, you know, I'm very, very comfortable, um, with how it's impacted my life to be able to tell others and say, Hey, look, like, like you said, like it's, it's worth trying. Like if you're in a spot and you feel like you've tried everything, like at what point in time do you have anything to lose at? Like you just don't. So, um, yeah, very cool that you share that because, um, you know, there's still, there's people, I don't, there's guys playing pro hockey that, you know, they're, they, they tell me they do it. They're like, but don't tell anyone. And I don't, but they're still worried about what that looks like. Yeah. But I got to ask you a couple of questions too. Like if you're a coach, let's say you're the a coach in the NHL, would you rather your, your players go out and drink 12 beers or eat a couple of edibles? Yeah. Well that, I mean, <laughs> I mean, as long as they're performing the next night, right? Like, I mean, it's, you know, but there's, there's you never see you never see a guy who um you know i wake up the next morning and I, like that's why i don't drink because i wake up and i'm hung over like like who wants to live like that like i don't, I don't want to be hung over the next day i got three little kids screaming in my ear so um <laughs> for me it's like i can't even compare the two I, I don't understand how people still enjoy uh you know drinking when you have this option nowadays uh, you know because obviously to do it socially um it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, I still, I, I enjoy it. I, I do it as opposed to drinking. I'll go, I'll do a little oil and I'll go be social and I'll go yeah. have fun with my friends and I'll, it's like I'm drinking cause I'm a little more chatty. My anxieties are gone. I have a great evening and I wake up, uh, the next day totally fine. So, uh, it's just like, I can't even compare them. Yeah, you know? I know. And it's, it's just so much safer. You never see anybody really like going to go out and start fighting people because they had an edible or something, yeah. but you drink it, you know, you get enough guys drinking together and it always seems like, yeah. like something's going to break out. Yeah. Fists are going to break out. But um, anyways, I know you got kids. I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but we'll have to do this again. And I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be coming home. Uh, I don't know when exactly, uh, but in the, in the near future, um, and uh, I'll definitely be out there in Abbotsford to see Stuart. We'll stop by the hall. Maybe we can grab lunch or something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. If there's anything like, you know, you have your connections and uh, everything going on, but if there's anything that I can do to kind of help maybe transition, help transition, even if it's like social media or like getting your 
the word out there if you are going to start doing this stuff feel free reach out and um you know people i have a feeling you're we're gonna you're gonna do it so people pay attention it's coming it's yeah, coming. and the only other thing I wanted to say was just like, you know, what you're doing with the, with the talking about mental health and just the support stuff. I mean, like what puck support, uh, the goal for, I don't know exactly what your goal is with, with having puck support and where you want to take it. But, um, you know, I would love to uh, support this and, and, you know, keep the conversation going. And, and really it is just that support. Like if, if there's guys, if there's people that need someone to talk to, if there's hockey players going through, uh, you know, juniors right now, and they need someone to talk to that understands hockey. And um, that's what this support network for me can be like, you can reach out, you can use, they can give me a call, they can give you a call. Like this is like the brotherhood, sisterhood of the hockey community. Um, I'm happy to be a part of it. I'm happy to, um, to uh, talk to whoever needs to be, you know, needs help. And, and um, you know, I think that's what's so cool about what you're doing. So um yeah, I mean, keep the conversation going, and um, I'm happy to help you in any way I can as well. Thank you, thank you. I I, I really appreciate that, man. And um, I'm, I'm I have no doubt in my mind that there's going to be a time where where they're, we're working to, together side by side. Um, Stuart Smith is the the chairman of the board for Puck Support, so you're closer to him than I am. So you'll probably know about more what's going on than, than I will because I'm not even on the board of directors. So um, keep me in the loop, will you? Yeah, um, I, I, again, I, I appreciate you coming on here and, and talking about some things that uh, – that aren't easy to talk about, and I'm sure we could continue on, and, and hopefully we can do this again. Um, Marty is watching still. Says thank you guys helped me a lot tonight. Uh, Janice, great chat. Couple more, but um, you know definitely people are going to uh, hear this. Uh, more people download the audio than than watch uh, on video. Um, there's going to be people that hear this that it's going to help, and um, just thank you for your honesty and your willingness to, to be a part of, um, you know, the solution moving forward, not just, you know, for puck support, but for the greater good, uh, for hockey. So, um, thanks buddy. Appreciate yeah, no, it. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. And I'd love to be back sometime. Yeah. Uh, already looking forward to it. I thoroughly enjoyed this chat, man. It was, uh, it was fantastic. And I think it just, I could keep talking because I think you just have a, a great insight and it sort of shows like how you're going to be able to incorporate that into, into bringing hockey into, into what you're doing. And I think that's the, the key piece is the mentoring piece is everything, right? Yeah. Mentoring and, uh, and just supporting people when they need it. So uh, I think, yeah. again, that's what uh, puck sports about. So um, awesome. I can't wait to hey. see, see what it is in 20 years. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, let's, uh, that's it's funny to think about. That's it. That's interesting to think about. Maybe we can watch this show in 20 years and be like, well, this is what happened in 20 years. So. <laughs> okay, buddy. We will uh, chat soon. You have my number. You call or text me anytime. We'll do. Okay. See ya. See ya, buddy. That's uh, David Vandergullick. Great conversation. I'm going to come back and wrap up the show. Awesome. Awesome conversation. Um, thank you, David. We will hear from. Our friends over at Pride Tape. We need a new video for Pride Tape, too. Um, their new book. I think I have it here somewhere. It's now out. I was one of the first to get a first copy of Who's Hockey. And uh, it's, uh, it's an incredible book. Go check it out. I know Stuart's watching. He's a big advocate for the book. I think it's in Allie's classroom, if I stand Corrected. We'll be right back.
Pocket of Hell and Back is brought to you by Pride Tape. Pride Tape is a badge of support from teammates, coaches, parents, and pros to young LGBTQ players. It shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love and that we're all on the same team. Show your support for teammates, coaches, and fans in the LGBTQ community by wrapping your stick with Pride Tape. Every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond. Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. For more information, you can send an email to Aubrey at PrideTape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, Aubrey at PrideTape.com. You can find Pride Tape on Facebook.com slash PrideTape, on Twitter at PrideTape, and at PrideTape on Instagram. PrideTape thanks all of you for being champions for change. Shout out to our friends over there at Pride Tape doing some incredible work in hockey and many other sports and just in general. Uh, Go follow them on social media. What do I got? What do I got on the docket here? Not the court docket. That's a thing of the past. If you're watching, first off, thank you. If you're watching on Facebook, if you could do me a favor, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Hockey to Allenbach, on YouTube trying to get away from Facebook, been trying to get away from Facebook for a while. We only got 800 subscribers on YouTube, trying to grow that YouTube channel. I would really greatly appreciate it if you could go over to YouTube, subscribe. If you're watching, like it, share it, tell people about it. Thank you. Hell, if you're on Facebook, you can like it and share it too. Share it to your wall. Is that what it's still called? Your wall? Want to give a special shout out to Brad Davidson uh, from Pro Skating and Barry. Uh, he had me out today, uh, as I talked about earlier in the show. Had me down to talk to uh, to some kids. Sorry, Perfect Skating Barry. I don't know why I said Pro Skate Barry. Perfect Skating Barry. Yeah, it was awesome getting down there, chatting with the kids. I um, been able to uh, to speak to some some teams, some hockey players, share my story. I absolutely love it, and I'm so grateful to be in the position to use my story uh, to to help inspire people. Maybe more importantly, to help educate them and, and help them from not having to go down the same path that I went down, and and unfortunately, so many others went down as well many of which are no longer here to tell their story. It's, uh, I think people are paying attention now more than ever. And that brings me a lot of hope, like a ton of hope. I love the fact that, uh, that people are paying attention. People are talking. Tomorrow night, I got a Zoom with the great community of Estevan, the Estevan Bruins, the Estevan Bears. Thank you to Coles On. This will be the second year in a row that I uh, I get to speak to uh, 
the the players, the parents, and the coaches out there in Estevan. Really looking forward to that. Last week, over 800 players I got to speak to, uh, and parents and coaches as well, uh, with the CSSHL, uh, the Canadian Sport School Hockey League. Is what it stands for. Connor Bedard played in that league. Many other uh, great prospects, and even uh, many young uh, girls, which was which was awesome. I didn't know at the time because I couldn't see faces. Um, but yeah, just an incredible opportunity. Thank you to Chris Beach, friend of the show, been on the show, former NHLer from Aimability for making that happen. Look forward to doing more of it. I have a few uh, speaking gigs lined up. November the 10th looks like we're going to be in North Bay with Dr. Rob Graham. I believe it's going to be open to the community. It's going to be at Nipissing University. Um Really excited, really excited to be able to go out and, and speak to a good crowd and, and and speak beside Dr. Robert Graham, who you guys are going to see on the show uh, here in the very near future, leading up to November the 10th. Uh, Denise LaFrance on the board of directors of Puck Support. So is Dr. Rob Graham helping set that up. Uh, going to be a great event. Uh, two days after that, uh, we're down in St. Mary's. Elaine Sturk watching. November the 12th, 1 to 4 p.m. River Valley Golf Course. Let's talk mental health. I'll be speaking. Uh, We'll have a three-hour event down there. It is free of charge. Come say hi. Come check it out. Come hear me speak. I think we're going to have... Elaine, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not going to be the only speaker. I don't need... I don't ever want to be the only speaker. I want to be inspired too. And my message isn't for everybody. We need... We need a crew of people. We need a crew of people who are uh, willing to share their stories. We all have one. Thank you to Elaine for all your support. Love you lots. You're my Orangeville mom for sure. Got a few moms. No Susan Cooks watching upstairs. Certainly my Muskoka mom. Really taking on the role of my mom in general. Four others. Yeah. Any other moms, I'm very, very grateful. I think Michelle Miner may be watching. I feel like she's another one of my moms too. Very, very blessed to have some incredible people. And Elaine, you are one of them. November the 12th, 1 to 4 p.m. River Valley. Let's talk mental health. Hope to see you guys all down there. Also, November the 19th in Richmond Hill. Team Puck Support captained by yours truly reluctantly i don't need to be the captain but that's sort of the way it goes um also leading the charge with team buck support kendra fisher curtis gabriel is gonna be playing we have some other awesome people playing as well former pros uh we are playing team stop concussions carrie goulet uh and team stop concussions carrie goulet from Gooch Live, better known as the Gooch, uh, putting on an event. It is really the first event uh, that Puck Support is going to be involved in on the nonprofit side. And uh, we're grateful to, to Carrie and everybody at Stop Concussions. Come down and check it out. I even think they're going to have a shootout competition where they're going to put my, my shootout moves on display. And I haven't been practicing. So maybe the goalies are going to look good. But hell, it's all for a couple of great causes Puck support and stop concussions. Come out uh, and check it out. Come check it out. 
I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like I'm missing something. Dean Smeal says, I'm watching it on my TV via YouTube and Facebook on my cell, just so you know. The double viewership, that's just top bunk, Dino. That's top bunk. My guy, Brody Kerbison, fellow coach at Believe Hockey Watching, says, great episode, Brady. Thanks, Brody. Hello to Tara. Happy belated birthday to your beautiful wife, Tara, by the way. Assuming Leo is sleeping. Thank you to everybody for watching. David Carlson in the house, one of my longest running viewers. Thank you, David. Rodney Slade in the house. Sending positive vibes from Newfoundland, Canada. Man, I want to go to Newfoundland. Newfoundland is calling my heart. And I'm not even kidding. Has been for a minute. Anyways, that's all. But guess what, guys? We are going to be back this week double. We got a hockey to hell and back double header this week when I welcome my new friend, DJ McGrath, to the show. Former Everett Silvertip, former captain of the Kings. Sorry, the Kindersley Clippers. He's stopping by recently new to social media. If you're on TikTok, follow him. He's now got an Instagram account, DJ McGrath. He's sharing his story through mental health addiction and hockey and what that journey has looked like for him. And I have recently found a ton, a ton of inspiration uh, through DJ McGrath's videos. So thank you, DJ, for for stepping up and wanting to share your story and coming on the podcast. Can't wait. Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with DJ McGrath. It is going to be a raw, real, and vulnerable conversation. There's no doubt about it. Not one you want to miss. If you're a hockey parent, a hockey player, you're not going to want to miss it. The last thing I'm going to say tonight, and I promise it'll be the last thing. It does not cost us anything to be kind and to show compassion. I talk about it all the time, but holy, is it that hard to just be kind and, and just to try to be a good person? I know life is hard. Some days are hard. Some days it's tough to bring it. Some days it's hard to be chipper. Kindness is contagious. Kindness is contagious. And I find that when, you know, I'm showing acts of kindness, usually because that's just my nature, I'll be honest. I just want to, to help and just want to, to give. But I think the reason why I want to do that too is because it feels really good. Like I, I like the feeling to, to be helpful, to help people. Like I get more out of helping people than helping myself. And there's something to be said about that. 
There's so much to that. To me, it's like that's the secret of life is community is working together, helping people, helping people. It's the secret of life, human connection, being there for one another and showing love, kindness, and compassion. That's it for tonight. Until next time, which is reminder, Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, right here with DJ McGrath. Until next time, be kind, be compassionate. Hello to all my family back in BC, my mom, my dad, my kids, Brooklyn and Brody. I love you guys. Coming home soon. Not sure what that looks like or what that means for any of it. But this is one guy that's not going to give up. I'm not going down without a fight. Not for the things I love and care about. That's for damn sure. Be kind. Show compassion. Do something to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. Do something for somebody else. And always... I was going to go off, but now I remembered. I didn't say check out Puck Support. I knew I was forgetting something. Please go check out Puck Support, pucksupport.com. Cop yourself some merch, mental health over hockey. Thank you to everyone who supported it. And now I will say, as the music ends, I feel like I'm on the Oscars and they've like shut the music off or turned the music on on me maybe is the right thing. Get off, Brady. Shut up. Till next time. Have a great day. If you so choose. Hockey was my life, rookie of the year. Swift as a Bronco, they stuff in my gear. Mask the pain when insane, yearning for that buzz. Twelve your journey through the depths of hell Criminal fentanyl, I struggled, I fell Abused, confused, as the shadow of who I once was Can't sleep, rest this week Don't go night of reality Need to get my life gear back on track Used to toe deck him like Wayne Gretzky But now I'm toe decking homeless on Hastings Intervenous drugs weren't in the gang notes The wrong kind of how to ride the lightning Sideboard ignored hot and fried Hockey to hell and back was my recovery road Can't sleep, restless week Up all night, adrenaline heat I need to get my life here back on track Emotions drained, I can't stop crying Except my reflection, no sense lying My inspiration's arguing, killing back Mental health over hockey. Gotta get people talking.